You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. We're back for another session of In the Open. It's America. I have Teresa here with me, and we have a special guest. Hi, Vicente. Hi, everyone. Vicente, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Vicente. I was uh, born and raised in uh, Santa Barbara, California, more specifically a small college party town next to UCSB named Isla Vista in uh, this small college party town. And if you're familiar with Isla Vista, then you know what kind of partying I'm talking about. So thank you, Vicente. Today we're going to be talking about how we deal with cravings and supporting somebody who may be dealing with cravings. So love to hear your experience and it sounds like from where you grew up you kind of kind of had to deal with that so tell us more about this party town because i've never heard of it okay sure well you know growing up in isla vista was a very unique experience Um, i come from a low-income family and in this community there are many working families like the one that i came from that are low income and so growing up next to a university gave us kind of like an unhealthy environment to grow up in. And what I mean by this is that one of my earlier experiences that I remember as a child uh, was sitting in the living room, maybe around 8 or 9 p.m., getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, a student from UCSB walks into our living room and literally lays down drunk out of their mind in a couch in our living room. My sisters and I panicked. My parents didn't know what to do. And for us, this was a traumatic experience that was influenced by the party culture of the town that we lived in. And, you know, that's that's a very early experience with alcohol and drugs for, for a young person. I was maybe about six or seven years old and having that experience be an introduction to the party culture it was it was it was very unique and and that is something that many working families in this small college party town um, experience that and and things that are far worse than that so did seeing that introduce do you think it introduced you early to drinking yes not too far from from that event maybe i was maybe about 10 years old um Another situation happened where I was riding my bike. I was that ten-year-old boy riding around in the neighborhood, and and it was it was a Saturday, and I remember we were going, uh, my friends and I, who were also around the same age, we were going to ride our bikes. I mean, Isla Vista is beautiful. There are many places to ride your bike and walk and walk your dog, go to the beach. So we were we were going to explore the nature around around the neighborhood, and I was running late. My parents wouldn't allow me to to go out without having completed my chores. And so I was running late on my way to meet my friends. I was riding on one of the streets where uh, there was, it was known for, for partying. On this day, I was riding my bike to meet my friends. And I noticed a group of uh, students, American students who were partying at the corner. And, and I was familiar with the partying, but not so much uh, with the specifics of what the parting included, and one of the one of the guys, maybe early twenties, 
he called me over, which was very weird. Uh, students never really talked to us Spanish-speaking people, low-income people. They kind of usually just ignored us. But this day, he called me over. He said, hey, come here. And I, I, I went over, and he handed me a beer bong. I didn't know what it was at that time, but I was 10 years old. I got off my bike, and he handed me a tube with the funnel at the top. And he said, put this in your mouth. And I, I put it to my mouth, and he poured a beer onto the funnel, and, and, and I had to I, I chugged it. And that was the first time that I had experienced chugging a beer. I mean, I had tasted it before, maybe at like a family parties and things like that. But this was the first time where it was like binge drinking. And I think that at that time, I, I didn't know uh, maybe the consequences of drinking, but I knew that I felt included. I knew that I felt like I was part of their community now and that they welcomed me to party with them. And which was very weird after drinking that I got back on my bike and I felt a little bit of a buzz, which was the first time I had felt a buzz and it felt good. It felt like all the stress from home, all the stress from living in a low income family, in a low income community, it was gone. It was, it was like feel good liquid. And from then on into my teenage years, I noticed that I, I would look for that feel good liquid. I would wait for Fridays and Saturdays and actually party started on Thursdays. And so sometimes I would wait on Thursdays to just go out and ride my bike and hopefully get called in by, by another student who was willing to give me a beer or a beer bong. And so that experience in itself, now looking back, uh, it, it wasn't fair. It wasn't under my control. And at the same time, it was uh, part of the party culture in Isla Vista that kind of dragged me into into the culture itself. Vicente, it sounds like the, the town itself kind of normalized the fact that everybody was engaging. Uh, a majority of the folks were engaging in the use of alcohol and other drugs. And then within that, uh, there it's like a scattering of influence that you see, right? Even from early on, you, you got that experience, which is really traumatizing. Then you kind of progress to this place where you under, not understood like as an adult, but understood like, oh, this thing does feel good. And you sought it out. Was there something inside of you that said, maybe this isn't the best choice that I'm making in that journey? Oh, yes, totally. You know, every time I partied, I remembered the values I was taught at home, mm -hmm. which were to respect myself and to respect others. And that included no alcohol or drug use. And so... If I wanted to party, I had to do it away from home and I had to hide it from my parents because I would get in trouble. That doesn't mean that I didn't do it. Of course, I continued to do it and, and eventually it got worse. But before it got worse, it, it was a force from that party culture that you mentioned that pulled me and dragged me and others, my friends included, into, into the culture of partying. So when did your relationship with partying an alcohol change? Well, it eventually changed when uh, my father became disabled. And I remember that one time my father was working and he fell off a ladder. And slowly he became disabled after that event. But looking back at it, I remember that it caused us anxiety. My dad was the provider of the family. And it also caused us a little bit of depression. 
not just myself, but other family members as well. And so with that, I turned to partying and I would deal with my struggles from home, with my worries about what was going to happen, with my wanting things to be like they were before. I coped with all of those emotions with partying. And I knew that when I became an adult, I needed to either get a job. It was either that or continue digging myself deeper into the party culture of the town that I lived in. Is that when things changed, you became an adult and and you were like, I got to stop this? <laughs> like, what did just uh, like set the stage for what recovering? Yes. What made you choose to address the desire to continue to drink? Yes. So when my father became disabled, I had to get a job uh, to help out at home. And at that job, I was working with uh, older men, more specifically the parents of my friends. And I was working at a golf course in Isla Vista. And I remember the difficulty of waking up at four in the morning to go and cut grass at this golf course. And when I became a senior in high school, I had to reflect do I want to continue working here for minimum wage for the rest of my life, or do I want to do something different? And that is where I began to attend the local teen center, where I noticed that there were other people that looked like me that had lived similar experiences in this college party town. And I connected with members of the local teen center. Uh, And I met mentors Uh, and tutors who uh, helped me out with my homework, and they helped me graduate from high school. When that happened, they helped me apply for City College. And when I uh, went to City College, I got my degree in automotive technology, and now I could help out at home financially and also by fixing our own cars. And so that was kind of like the turning point from my experience in this college party town and and partying um, and actually going into the academia and, and focusing on my own educational development. It, it sounds like, um, Vicente, when your dad had that um, experience, it kind of led you to kind of like a wake-up call because you had to then help your family. Um, how old were you when that happened? It first happened when I was 13 years old, but his okay. disability um, slowly progressed. And so when I was 17 years old, a senior in high school, he was full on disabled and couldn't really work anymore. And so that's kind of where the weight of the family started to come more on me because I was the next older one and I had to provide financially for the family. And I couldn't do that if I continued to party. Yeah. So there was a real incentive to, to start thinking about a new path. When, when we say like, when you think about how do I deal with cravings and you think about that time in your life, like what does that phrase make you think about? You know, it makes me think about triggers. And I know that for someone who is used to the use of drugs or, or drinking alcohol, there are triggers that lead us to, to drinking and using. And for me, those triggers were thoughts of anxiety, of worrying worrying about the future, not knowing what's going to happen, or maybe wishing that things were different. At the same time, another family member went into the, uh, uh, got into some trouble and went into the jail system. So really, I had no positive male role models around me at that time to help me and guide me. And so not having the resources, being low income, working minimum wage, working unpleasant hours, 
all of these things con contributed to my use of drugs and alcohol at that time. And so for some people, I remember it could be, you know, it was Wednesday. And, and when I was really into the party culture, I would just get nervous around Wednesday and then, and knowing that Thursday is coming up and then having to party, but at the same time, not trying to get caught, having to help out at home. Um, so definitely getting to know my triggers was a challenge because at that time I had no education about triggers. I had no education about mental health, much less access to resources. But I think that the most difficult thing about cravings was the triggers because that is kind of what set set off that voice, that voice in our head, in my head that was saying like, hey, party, just forget about it. Like drink some feel good liquid and you'll forget about it. And and for me, that was a different voice than my own. It was the voice of, of kind of like an addiction that wanted to party. And at that time, I thought it was just me. But now looking back at it, that, that, was, that was the voice of addiction. That was the voice of someone who was looking to easily forget about triggers and, and other unpleasant emotions. And you use the word triggers, but you're, some, you're tapping into something else here that I think is so hard and, and for people is rituals. So like, yes. think about gearing up on Wednesday. You're like, every Wednesday, you know, you're going to hit up this, this process and you're getting excited about it. Like, I totally know what you mean. Like, you're so stressed and you're wound up tight and you know there's going to be a release at some point. And like this happens for people sometimes in a day, like I'm about to get off work. I'm about to go settle in. I'm going to use my same cup. I'm going to make my drink the same way. And then I, the fact that I'm creating a habit right. around my trigger, does that resonate with you? Totally. And now that you mentioned that, you know, triggers are different now than they, they were before, before having all of these responsibilities, this feeling of the weekend is coming up was, was exciting. It was excitement for me and knowing that I was going to party uh, soon. But as the responsibilities grew, grew heavier and having to help out at home and focusing on my own personal development, then Wednesday came around and that trigger was different. It was a heavy emotion. It was scary. I was scared for the weekend because I knew that I needed to do good. I knew that I wanted to work on myself, but I was also, I had developed the habit of partying. And so the trigger was different when I was first starting. It was, it was joyful. It was exciting. It was fun, but eventually it was, it wasn't fun. It was unpleasant. It was scary. I didn't know what was going to happen if I was going to encounter the police, if I was going to encounter blacking out, um, I've, I've experienced other friends overdose or do other things behavior-wise that that were traumatic for for uh, a teenager growing up in this in this town. When I hear you explain your experience in the way that you have, one other thing that sticks out is how heavy that burden was that you felt you were carrying and, and the way you describe it is like the feel good, right? Like this is a, this is an outlet for you. And then recognizing that it was getting worse. Yes. So where's that moment in, in your mind that you said, you know, I know a lot of people talk about um, the rock bottom kind of uh, idea. So when was that moment in, in your, in your experience? Was there one that was like, that's it, I can't do any more? 
Yes, there were actually a few moments. And, and one that I'm willing to share is that one night during a, a weekend of partying, I had just gotten home from high school and many friends had, had came over from other cities because they knew that Isla Vista was the party town. Now, as we're getting ready to, to go out and waiting for the night to, to fall upon us, I heard a bunch of noises outside of my home. I heard people yelling, people running. And when I walked outside, I noticed that one of my friends was limping. And this friend uh, was walking towards my home, towards my front door, uh, where I was standing uh, when all of a sudden another friend comes up and, and he lifts up his shirt. And when he does that, I, I had seen that he had been stabbed multiple times. We did our best, my father and I, to, to take him to the hospital where he, he nearly died due to this commotion of partying, alcohol involved already. Um, it was it was kind of like that pre-partying. And if you're familiar with, with party culture, pre-partying is a big part of of partying, you get drunk before getting drunk. And so when this happened, this was an aha moment for me. This party culture uh, every weekend has not brought anything positive for me. In fact, it just con continues to dig me into a deeper hole. Yes, it feels good. It makes me forget about the struggles at home. But at the same time, my life is in danger. The life of my friends is in danger. And so that was one of the earlier moments that was kind of like an aha moment for me That's, that, that allowed me to ponder about a life outside of this neighborhood. And it's important to remember that in this low-income neighborhood, many people don't leave this neighborhood for, for years. And, and so really you get lost and you get stuck into this deep party culture of this town Unless you remove yourself from that environment, which is which is essentially what I had to do. I knew that if I wanted to, to get a college degree, if I wanted to have more opportunities, professional opportunities, I needed to leave this college party town, which I eventually ended up doing. And so you speak about this shift in the relationship you have with alcohol where it starts out great, but then you start to see the real problems associated with it. Even though you were switching and I imagine that helped you, right? It, it helped to see all the negative sides, but that didn't mean the cravings stopped and or that you didn't still want to be able to relax. Like, can you talk about what that feels like to be in that shift where you feel two ways, right? You're like, this sucks, but I still want right. this right. thing, totally. this outlet. Another part of my aha moments, kind of going back to the previous question, because I think it'll help with this question. It was around the same time that my brother was was sent to, to jail, to the prison system. And noticing that my mother would cry and we would drive hours just to visit him, seeing to see him through plexiglass and seeing how much my mom and my, my dad and my sister suffered because of him being in prison. And the reason for him being in prison was due to the party culture that we lived in. But that was an aha moment for me that helped me refocus. Sometimes when we, I think when I was in that party culture, it almost felt like I was hopeless. Like I had nothing to look forward to besides the party and, and, and forgetting about the stresses at home. But when I noticed all of these difficult hardships from seeing my friends getting stabbed, people overdosing, people ending, ending up on the streets, young people ending up on the streets, my friends or ending up in jail. And I also experienced the loss of friends. Some friends died 
in this party culture. And that is kind of over, it, it, it is overwhelming to, to be abused for, by the police for being young, for being brown, for being, just for being uh, in this town. We were constantly stopped and harassed by police. And so really it becomes overwhelming. If you are, if you are lucky enough to, to grow out of this party culture, then it's because you have found a new purpose. And for me, finding that new purpose entailed going to college. And it was a totally new world that, that had nothing to do with the party culture that I grew up in, that had nothing to do with the violence that I, that I experienced, with the issues that I was noticing in other families in our community. I think the, the most helpful part of this experiencing was allowing myself to find a new purpose. And I knew that because of my experience, I wanted to help my community. And that is where I changed my, my, my perspective from wanting to party every weekend and forget about the difficulty that was happening in my family to wanting to help people like my family. And I think when we are in addiction, when we are so focused on these cravings and wanting to fulfill this, these cravings, unfortunately, we don't have a focus besides that. But I think that because of these negative experiences that I lived, because of these near-death experiences that I lived and the abuse that I, that I experienced from police officers, the first person to point a gun at me was a police officer for just being myself, for being a low-income teenager in a low-income neighborhood. All these experiences were overwhelming, and I knew that thanks to the teen center and thanks to the local mentors and tutors that were there to support um, and relate to me, that is what helped me redirect my focus. And, and it's unfortunately an experience that many people do not have and that, that they just remain in the addiction or remain attached to the party culture. And in fact, I, I seen that with my friends. A lot of my friends today that I grew up with are either in jail or addicted to drugs, homeless on our streets, or dead. And so I say that from lived experience because it hurts to lose many friends. But ultimately, it is that experience that led me to becoming an associate marriage and family therapist, which I am today. I think what really stands out to me about what you're saying is that one major way that helps us to stay clean and to deal with cravings is to always root yourself in the reasons why you're choosing recovery. If you give yourself in all the time to the reasons why it's great to use, I know that that's like a big part of, you know, even in treatment and therapy and just so many times the question is like, why, why are you getting clean? Why are you choosing to stay sober? You know? And for you, you've had so many experiences where like partying was great, but gosh, these other consequences for why it wasn't great were really huge. And that probably acted for you as a protective factor. And then there were reasons where you're like, I can't, I can't do this. Like there's pressure for me to work and contribute to your family that acted as a protective factor. And in the end, those things were way bigger than the party culture that you had. And, th and that's what helped you make a choice for not, not giving in, not giving into a party culture. Yes, that's correct. But not, not just that experience in itself. I think also the access to the resources was a big part. I think that I, 
I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to college if I didn't go to the teen center. And unfortunately, many youth who are in a deep party culture or addicted to drugs or alcohol, I think that maybe they don't have the opportunity to go to a teen center and connect with guides, with people who will influence them, people that look like them, people that can relate to the to their stories, which I think is also a big part. And and also if if you don't have the right support in your family, it's it's also going to be very difficult. It's important to surround ourselves with supportive individuals, especially if we are craving the use of drugs or the use of alcohol. Our surroundings have a big influence on our decision to use or not use. And I think that we need to create these opportunities for people who are dealing with these cravings so that they know that they have options and they know that they can redirect their focus to something else besides just wanting to get high or wanting to get drunk. There are many resources out there. What there is not is just not enough information for these youth, not enough information for these uh, communities and families that unfortunately fall through the cracks. Um, and there are many families, many low-income families, Spanish-speaking families who fall through the cracks and unfortunately never get to experience access to resources that are essentially life-saving. Yeah, that's amazing, uh, Vicente. One thing that uh, I'd like for you to add, you mentioned that you went to the teen center, but how did you find out about it? Like, did somebody take you there or how did that occur? That's interesting the local teen center, I became familiar because there was a fight there one time where one of my neighbors had his nose broken. And I was curious to know where that place was. And it was outside the teen center. And so one day I ended up going and it was a small portable, a small portable with limited resources, but it was there. And upon me walking in, a woman like my mother, about my mother's age, who was wearing a Mexican huipil, which I was familiar with, I connected to it, was part of my culture. I had seen that before. That made me feel welcomed. It made me feel like I belonged. And a lot of the times, that feeling of wanting to belong to something, wanting to be a part of something, is a universal feeling that we all have. We all want to be part of something, right? And so sometimes when we don't have those resources, when we don't have access to teen centers where we feel welcome, then we are part of something else like a party culture or a game or, or something other that is not healthy for us. And so it's important that, that we have access to these resources where we can be a part of something, but it's something productive, something that will help us align ourselves with our true values, with our true potential as a human being. And so for me, going to that teen center, thanks to wanting to know where that fight happened, I walk into this teen center and, and, and it's it's, I walked into a new life. And for me, it was that small space, but hopefully in the future, we can create bigger spaces. And now with the internet and now with technology, we can definitely create more access for people who are who have similar experiences to the ones that I had when I was growing up in this college party town. Well, that's great. Your curiosity led you to something that was valuable for your experience. So that's phenomenal. Yes, and the attentive service of the people who work there. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you, Vicente. Is there anything that you would like to share as a closing thought for our listeners? Yes, of course. I want our listeners to know that if you are struggling with addiction, if you are struggling with cravings, if you are struggling with substance or drug abuse or alcohol abuse, you are not alone. There are many people like like us out there who have similar experiences and who have succeeded and who will succeed. You know, just don't give up. You are not alone. Thank you so much. We generally sign off by saying, um, telling folks to keep fighting in the open. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Keep fighting in the open. Thanks.